Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And for the first time, we have writer Vanessa Armstrong. Hello. Excited to be here. <laughs> uh, as you heard from the podcast with Jacob and Ben, there's some some new contributors joining the Slash Film lineup. You've been reading them on the site for the last month or so. Uh, but actually, Vanessa's been with us for a lot longer than that, but her role has been increased. Uh, but this is our first time on the podcast. So uh, welcome, Vanessa. And uh, why don't you tell people... What kind of what kind of movie person are you, Vanessa? Sure. Um, well, we'll, I like get, we'll get a sense of you in, in some way, so that people are like, "Who is this woman?" Yes, yes. Movies good, which I guess is um, a good thing to feel if I'm writing for for slash film. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, I'm a big genre fan, so uh, I've pretty much seen everything in the MCU, everything Star Wars. My first piece for Slash Home, actually, I think was back in 2018 when I chronicled my experience doing a 30-hour 
Marvel Marathon before the premiere of Infinity War. So those are definitely um, things I always watch and always enjoy. So what you're saying is you're a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's fair to say. My yeah. my my engagement or my wedding ring actually is based off of R2D2. So I think that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, I've spent some time with Vanessa at Comic-Con and like going around the show floor where she just like goes and collects books, like free books. And she has like bags and bags of free books that she brings home and reads in like a week, which I find amazing. Uh, yeah. Used to. I have a, a child now, so my reading has slowed. But yes, now, now two weeks. No. Yes. Um, okay. Let's get into let's get into the news. Let's start first with Marvel, which you know they have the What If animated series coming out, but it turns out that they're actually creating a mini studio for animated titles. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah. So Victoria Alonso, who is one of the highest ranking executives at Marvel Studios, uh, was speaking at a media summit earlier this week, and she revealed that Marvel Studios is, uh, I'll just read her quote here. She said, we're going to have our animation branch and mini studio, and there will be more to come from that as well. We're super excited about animation, which is my first love. So um, yeah, as you mentioned, What If is the first animated Marvel Studios show that's coming up, but it sounds like with this, I, this idea of uh, an animation branch and a whole mini studio devoted specifically to animation, that we're going to see a lot more animation stuff ramped up uh, in specifically in the MCU. And um, like one of my first thoughts when I heard this was like, doesn't Marvel already have an animation branch? Because I remember, <laughs> you know, a lot of those direct-to-video movies coming out over the past, you know, 12 years or so with uh, like Hulk versus and planet Hulk. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have uh, a lot of our listeners have seen those, even if they're not necessarily like full on like mainstream stuff, but those were actually made by a completely separate company. Um, that doesn't, that basically just sort of like it had somebody from Marvel studios overseeing what was going on there, but it's not necessarily, it certainly is not part of the Marvel studio or I'm sorry, the Marvel cinematic universe, you know, official canon or whatever. So um, all of this stuff is going to be, I guess, like theoretically in-house at Marvel, or maybe they're, they're going to buy a, an animation company or something and, and acquire them and bring them in-house. So yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm curious to see what the future of animation at Marvel is going to look like. Well, it sounds like with what if they like, with like a lot of things, you like hire out and have other like little mini studios do do whatever work. Like, you know, there's multiple studios working on each episode. So I'm wondering you actually think that they're going to actually have like an animation campus? Like they'll actually be like Disney or, or, or like Pixar where they actually have animators in house. I mean, if, if uh, Victoria Alonso says that this animation is her first love and that the company as a whole is super excited about it, I would not be surprised. Um, you know, Marvel is, has proven already that they have dominated the, uh, I guess, live action movie landscape. They're already making pretty significant inroads into the live action television landscape with the Disney Plus shows. And so animation seems like it's one of the, the few worlds that they have left to conquer, right? Like, I, I would not be surprised to see, especially since the entire basis of Marvel is based on comic books. And like, <laughs> you know, that there is certainly a line to be drawn there between uh, animated stuff and the, the illustrations that appeared in the pages of those comics that provide the inspiration for so many of these stories. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Kevin Feige and the rest of that team just lean hard into this and yeah, create their own campus and, and just start, you know, churning stuff out. But um, to turn it back around to you real quick, Peter, you know, we've seen previews for what if and um that show has a certain visual style 
I think one of the big complaints that people have about the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies so far is that a lot of them, quote unquote, look the same. But animation to me opens up so many possibilities of like different visual looks that you can have for different types of stories that can be told. Do you think that Marvel is going to use the look of what (laughs) if as the sort of house style look for all of its animation going forward? Or do you think they'll lean into you know, like, um, I don't know what, like the, the animatrix or something, you know, like a bunch of different styles, depending on what kind of stories they're going to tell. Oh, that's, that's such an interesting question. I mean, definitely judging by what if they're going on the Marvel style of like what the characters look like in the movies and the technology and all that kind of stuff. And even the action, uh, the, 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 the guy that's directing these episodes is actually like the guy that like was storyboarding the action since Avengers at Marvel Studios. So this hmm. is like his big gig. And um, I don't know. It, it, that's a good question. Like, could they have other things like where Star Wars is doing their anime visions mm-hmm. and it's like looks very different in style? I don't know. That's, that, that is that – that remains to be seen. It's just interesting because when Disney ended up buying Marvel, I remember a lot of people – even us were speculating, will Disney Animation or Pixar make a Marvel movie? And they did make one. They made uh, Big Hero 6, but it wasn't really connected to Marvel. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, it's interesting that Disney or Marvel have decided not to have Disney Animation or Pixar make animated movies for Marvel, that Marvel is going to do their own animated movies. So uh, yeah. maybe that shows how much uh, confidence they have in Kevin Feige and and Marvel themselves. Um, let's talk about Neil Gaiman. Uh, he has a new series coming to Amazon. Vanessa, why don't you tell us about it? Sure. Uh, Neil Gaiman announced today on Twitter uh, that they're making, uh, he's making with Amazon an adaptation of his novel, A Nancy Voice. And that is a book that is based and so like on a character from American gods somewhat Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a little hard to explain, but basically there's a character um, called a Nancy in American gods. He's a a trickster God from Africa. He was played by wonderfully played by Orlando Jones on that show. Um, And this series and the book is based on two of his sons. Um, The general premise is a Nancy dies in the beginning of the book uh, and his two sons who are very different. Um, One is straight laced, uh, doesn't even know he's the son of a God until a Nancy is dead. And the other um, is very much like his father in terms of having magical abilities and being a bit of a trickster himself. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how this adaptation, um, differs at all from the stars version i imagine it will for for a lot of reasons we can get into yeah i was wondering that because you like you said american gods uh was on stars and it was from uh who was it the showrunner uh, david slade is that is that correct no i think it was ryan uh, it's changed michael green part. maybe was some was on there for a while i think brian <laughs> fuller was, was started wow <laughs> okay we got a bunch of people uh yeah it looks like it was a bunch of people uh, <laughs> Jesse, I think that's all you need to know about that show. <laughs> Brian Fuller, Michael Green, Jesse Alexander, and I don't know where I came up with David Slade. Maybe he directed an episode? I don't know. Um, maybe I'm just completely wrong. But I, I know nothing about any of this, Vanessa, which is in, is this connected to American Gods? I mean, it is in the source material, but 
since this is Amazon and that was stars, is this going to be a connected thing? Uh, the short answer is no. Um, so there's the book connection and then the adaptation potential connection. In the books, Gaiman actually came up with the character of a Nancy and the story before he wrote American Gods, but he ended up not writing a Nancy Boys until after American Gods. And he basically borrowed the character of a Nancy to play a role in American Gods. Um, in terms of the shows, I think there's even less of connection. Um, as we just talked about, uh, the stars run had several people directly involved, um, none of whom were Neil Gaiman. And I think they saw some troubles in later seasons <laughs> with, to put it mildly, um, with the change in, in creative leadership there. Um, so I don't think there's gonna be any uh, official overlap. I do have one hope though that Orlando Jones um, reprises his role in Amazon's and Nancy Boys. Um, he was uh, phenomenal in American Gods and actually isn't even in the third season of American Gods and um, had pretty strong feelings about that. So I don't know where Gaiman's going to take it, uh, but if it works for the piece, I would love to see Jones back in that role. Yeah, I know for, for the site, you wrote a piece that's the five reasons people should be excited for the series. Uh, we don't have time for all five reasons, but Vanessa, like, sell me on it because, you know, I didn't make it through American Gods. I watched the first few episodes and I kind of just was my thing. Why should I be excited for this new series? Sure. And, and just to be clear, um, I didn't make it past the first season of American Gods as a hardcore gaming fan. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. However, you felt about that show, um, I think you can throw <laughs> it out the window because I think this will be very different. Um, so I already talked about one, Orlando Jones, if he comes back, would be awesome. I think he, he just really did an amazing job with that role. Um, the second is that, you know, Gaiman is in charge and sh so is um, Douglas McKinnon, who directed uh, the first, I think the second season of Well of Good Omens, um, which was an amazing adaptation of uh, the book by Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Um, so I think if, if you liked what he did there, if you like his works, um, he definitely creates a very vivid, beautiful, and magical world in the literal sense of the term. And I think he also, if, if you loved Good Omens, one of the things he did really well there was the relationship between uh, the devil and the angel, the odd couple of the series. Uh, and Nancy Boys has a similar dynamic between the two brothers. And, and knowing, you know, Gaiman's skill in terms of telling a whimsical, uh, engaging story and also delving into those relationships, I think um, it'll be a really amazing thing to see. And I have high expectations for it. Yeah. Whenever a Gaiman's involved in something or there's something based on a Gaiman property, uh, I definitely want to check it out and give it a chance at least. Uh, but let's move on from that to Fast and the Furious and the feud between Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel, which uh, I guess it enters a new chapter. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, Chris and I, I think on a, a previous episode, talked about some recent comments that Vin Diesel made around the uh, time that F9 came out where Vin Diesel was profiled in Men's Health magazine. And he talked a little bit about how the beef behind the scenes between him and Dwayne Johnson was actually like a, uh, a manipulation on the part of master <laughs> strategist Vin Diesel, where he was talking about how he would do anything that he would have to do in order to get performances uh, from people that he worked with on on projects that he was producing. So he sort of like insinuated that all of the uh, 
the tough love that he was giving um, was uh, was in order to like coax out the performance that he wanted from Dwayne Johnson, which at the time Chris and I were just talking about how, I mean, just absurd on its face that claim is and, and just how really ridiculous and, and like borderline you, offensive. You don't believe you don't believe that Vin Diesel is a master chessman, you know, playing three moves ahead. Look, I I actually um, appreciate the way that Vin Diesel has leaned into and and been like very publicly public and open about the way that he loves fantasy storytelling and Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons and how he looks at the Fast and Furious franchise as like an extended D and D campaign. Basically, I actually think all of that kind of the the ridiculous thought that he puts into all of that stuff. I think it, it actually is paying off and has paid off very well in those movies. Uh, but to claim <laughs> basically to claim um, ownership over somebody else's performance in the way that he did, uh, especially when there's so much um, simmering tension there is just uh, maybe a step too far. And apparently Dwayne Johnson thought so as well. So in a, uh, a new profile of Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt that just went up in the Hollywood reporter today, um, they asked Dwayne Johnson what he thought about those comments from Ben Diesel. And he said, I laughed and I laughed hard. I think everyone had a laugh at that and I'll leave it at that. Uh, and that I've wished them well. I wish them well on Fast 9, and I wish them the best of luck on Fast 10 and Fast 11 and the rest of the Fast and Furious movies that they do that will be without me. Uh, and then Emily Blunt got in there and dunked on Vin Diesel a little bit as well, so that, that's fun. You can read more of those quotes at, at SlashFilm.com. But um, yeah, that's sort of the gist of it. So, um, I mean, I guess the, the sort of uh, quote-unquote news that's buried in here is that he's basically confirming that he's not going to be a part of the last few or the, the two-part uh, Fast 10, which is supposed to be the climax of the what they're calling the Fast Saga, the main um, you know timeline of movies. Yeah. So, um, but that I, doesn't I'm, confirm that he's not going to be in part of future like Hobbs and Shaw movies. Right. That's right? absolutely right. Yeah. Um, the rest of the Fast and Furious movies that they do that will be without me, he said. So yeah, I think I think he's leaving the door open there for you know Hobbs and Shaw too, maybe to even show up in other spinoffs that, that come up, you know, down the line. Um, but it sounds like, you know, reading between the lines, if Vin Diesel is in a fast movie, Dwayne Johnson is not going to be in it. So, um, (laughs) that's kind of a bummer, you know, as somebody who loves this franchise and, and was kind of hoping to see them, you know, put aside whatever, uh, petty differences they have to sort of finish out the, the franchise in a really, um, satisfying way. Uh, especially now that, um, that Justin Lin is back directing these. He's the, the guy who introduced Dwayne Johnson into this franchise. And I just thought it would have been a nice full circle thing to have uh, Dwayne Johnson come back in, um, you know, part two of, of fast 10 uh, to sort of like send off this franchise in a really um, clean circular way. But um, I guess that's not to be, it's not in the cards. Mm. Yeah, that is disappointing. Fast five is my favorite of the franchise. And I feel like the rock, brought an energy to that film that just has not been beaten since then. And uh, it's funny that we won't even get like an epilogue scene or something. Yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. But I guess maybe that's for, you know, Hobbs and Shot 2. Are they even going to make a Hobbs and Shot 2? Did that movie even do well enough that there could um, be? I think it did pretty well. I mean, creatively, I don't think it did well because that's one of my <laughs> least favorite. Actually, I think it is my least favorite uh, Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think it performed well financially. So I don't know. Maybe 
I, I'm not against the concept of a, a spinoff with the Hobbs and Shaw character. I just didn't think the execution was great in that first film. So if they do make a sequel, I will be there to to watch it. And in my view, it can only be better than the first Hobbs and Shaw movie. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk about Old. This is a new movie from M Night Shyamalan. I've you know he's kind of made a comeback in recent years, and uh, the first early buzz has hit the web. Ben, is this is this a good one? I mean, it's all over the place, Peter. It's really surprising the um, the breadth of reactions to M. Night Shyamalan's new movie. So Chris Evangelista, obviously listeners will be familiar with him. He said that this movie is M. Night back in full-blown the happening mode. Whether or not that's a good thing will be up to you. Um, our old pal Jermaine Lucier, who works at uh, io9, said that this is the best movie that uh, M. Night Shyamalan has made since Unbreakable. He calls it an intense, unrelenting thriller <laughs> made with sadistic glee and surprising emotion. Um, I, other people like praise the the uh, aggressive filmmaking techniques, and somebody else says that it has a slow start, but when it really gets going, it, it becomes this body horror movie that somehow successfully meshes with an emotional family drama. Um, then, then there are other reactions. Like one person says, "Old is certainly a movie that exists." <laughs> so, like that's you know they just say it's fine. Um, so, man, yeah, it sort of seems like. You know, you got the happening on one end, you've got the best sense unbreakable on the other end, you've got just fine, which seems to be right in the middle. So it seems like it's kind of tough to get a beat on this one. Yeah. And by the way, we should say when Chris compares it to the happening, I don't think he's doing it like as a like complete insult. He kind no, of no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. I should have clarified that. I think Chris actually appreciates the happening for what it's trying to do. Uh, I don't want to speak for him too much. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. you know, he can talk about that in, in future episodes, but um, I think Chris is like a kind of a stealth fan of the happening. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally today, uh, I want to talk about Dune because uh, while this film doesn't come out until October, Vanessa has seen 35 minutes of this movie, including the first 10 minutes and the new trailer. So uh, that, that, that that is the real reason we have you on today, Vanessa, is to talk about Dune <laughs> because I want to hear about it. So, uh, you know, no spoilers uh, because I, people can click on the article in the show notes and, and read your piece but what is your like spoiler free impressions like what, what are your like broad impressions of what you saw yeah and, and first just a quick disclaimer it wasn't 35 minutes straight of the film the whole uh event was 35 minutes and i probably saw about 15 minutes of the of the movie including the first 10 ah. um but uh yeah i went in to this with very high expectations. Uh, I've read the Dune books. I am a fan of the Dune books. And uh, I was really blown away. Uh, and it's definitely clearly a movie that was shot to be on the big screen and, and probably IMAX in particular. Um, the visuals uh, that um, of the world is truly like, uh, it like made my bones shake just seeing the vast <laughs> enormity that he's created, uh, Villeneuve has created. And um, for people who like the books, I think they'll be very well served. And for people coming to this fresh, uh, I think they'll be completely overwhelmed in a good way by how expansive and brutal and beautiful um, the imagery is. You know, coming from a place where, you know, I'm watching a lot of Star Wars movies, I'm watching like a a lot of sci-fi looks, I don't want to say looks the same, but like it feels like it was, it came from the same Americana, if that makes sense. And yeah. looking at the trailer for Dune, it looks unlike 
almost any sci-fi movie I've seen in the last, you know, 30 years. So, yeah, I, th- I, th- yeah, I think that's it, right. Does that come through? Absolutely. And I think um, the costuming is phenomenal. If whoever did costuming doesn't get nominations, I will be upset on their behalf. Um, there's definitely almost a more of an alienness to it um, than I've seen in other um, sci-fi productions of recent time. Uh, and the score is another thing. So part of the the event I saw at IMAX had an interview uh, with Villeneuve and um, Hans Zimmer, who did the score. And they really emphasized there about how they purposely didn't use, you know, the typical string quartet uh, or orchestra to, to make the, the music. Um, and they relied on taking human voices in some cases, but warping them in a way that truly sounds otherworldly and, and not like anything um, I've heard before, at least. Um, yeah. So I think it's just going to be a very surreal, out of body in some ways experience, just um, in terms of what you'll see. So after seeing these 10, 15 minutes, obviously you're a fan of Dune as a whole, and we're excited to see this. Like, th- does did this footage make you more excited to see the the film in October? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely more excited. Um, and it definitely made me, which I'm sure was the intent of having the event, want to see it on the big screen. Um, I, I think if you watch this on your TV on HBO Max, you're really going to miss the best part of the movie because it's really it's supposed to be an immersive thing. Yeah, this is going to be one of the the day and date with HBO Max. And I'm sure a lot of people, I mean, you know, I watched God, the, the, the recent Godzilla versus Kong movie on HBO Max. And I wish I wish we were at a point in our society that I could have seen that in a theater. But uh, in L.A., the theaters were not really open for that. So, um, yeah, well, very cool. Uh, I will point people to your piece. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at Slash from the Com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Podca- uh, Google Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Slash from the Com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.